Welcome to For a Better America podcast with Frank. Uh, thank you for joining me. In this episode, we will be talking about um, the need or the case for foreign policy. It's just, you know, in my observation of our foreign policy approaches, especially the last um, three years, you know, from 2016 to now, <clears throat> it seems to be this <clears throat> approach of policy that would I say more strong hand um, for lack of a better word? It's like, let's be as strict as possible. Let's act like we're the toughest and the baddest. And let's act like we don't, you know, it's almost like we're practicing a mix of dismissing our allies, um, closing or limiting immigration at the same time, taking a more strong forest, um, foreign policy approach. And in my observation, historically, it does seem like the countries or nations that have a mix of a strength, so that's military might, but also kindness that's offering other nations, whether it be your previous enemy or your enemy, and whether it be um, offering them access to the country with the might. So if we look at, go back to the Roman Empire, certain nations or you know villages whatever you want to call them they were conquered under roman rule did get the benefits of the roman empire right and if we look at the english empire as they colonized they were able to extend certain rights to people outside of the empire and if you look at the actions when they refused to offer those rights um, or when they stop offering those rights. You see, England went from one of the most powerful nations in the world that did, in fact, colonize almost everyone to being, you know, a smaller nation. Yes, it has intelligence. Yes, it has innovation and it has, you know, deep culture. But it's limited compared to what it used to be. And, in fact, the one of the countries it limited those powers and those rights was the U.S. And what that did was cause a revolt Um the U.S. became independent, and the U.S. you know, was, was, and I believe still be one of the more powerful nations in the world for a length of time. And that is not something you just get with just military might, or as our current administration will have it, um, dismissing your allies and dismissing or taking a hardline stance against refugees or taking a hardline stance against people seeking asylum and other um, benefits. You see, good foreign policy is one that has a mix of strength and kindness. And I'll talk about this. United States goes into Iraq. We need to find weapons of mass destruction. You know, long story short, we did not find it, but there was some atrocities being committed by the Iraqi government. So now we have a problem where we have um, ISIS. They come in, they cause a lot of destruction. We also need to get get rid of ISIS because in the long run, it creates a global problem for the U.S., whether it's our relationship with the Middle East from the benefits of both nations or it's better um, if a nation is doing well. So, for instance, Canada is the top four consumer of U.S. goods. So Canadian economy has been strong for a while. 
the Canadian um, currency is also strong and a society to flourish. It has revenue. It could spend its capital on American goods. That is good for American economy. Simpton, similar position where I'm with Mexico. Mexico is also one of our highest consumer of goods. So if since we're good in the Middle East and good in other parts of the world, those countries get to buy American goods in the long run, America benefits. So it is good to have um, more peace across the good and war. And I know we do have a certain audience at home that says, let it be, leave them alone. Let them figure out the problems is the Middle East. Um, it is not necessarily the best policy for um, the world. So if you look at when China had its problems around the 60s and 70s, um, and it was just a very poor country and a poor nation with intelligent people. When it became more peaceful, granted it was through a communist government and a very controlling government. Nevertheless, it became more peaceful, became more resourceful. It became one of the higher consumer of American goods. Also good for the American economy. Um, the need for kindness in, in foreign policy is tied to certain sense. So one of them is um, perception. If we go into Iraq, we help the people, help the actual civilians. If America needs to, you know, engage in certain activities in the future, whether it's fighting, let's say, the closest one, the closer country to Iraq, for instance, uh, Syria. Not saying this is happening, but it's an example. Syria is a powerful country. It wants to go to war with the U.S. It's powerful enough to. Now we need allies in Iraq to help us. If we took a foreign policy approach to where we went to Iraq, we conquered the nation, we do not care about the people, we left it in ruins, those people will actually end up being our enemy. They will join with the opposing country and they will fight us and they will do no trade with us and they'll be our enemies for a long, long time. That's not always a good thing. But if we went there, we did fight a war, but we provided, you know, relief for families that needed it. So let's say someone's family member was about to get killed by rebels or by people that don't like Americans and they helped us and we saved the family, bring them to the US. We buy goodwill. So maybe their cousin did not help us, but their cousin may end up in government position someday and say, you know what, the US helped my cousin. So therefore, um, I believe the US do have do mean some good. So I'm willing to work and do business with the US. So in the long run, kindness and foreign policy is kind of a common sense approach. So taking a position to where we are attacking the refugee population, we are reducing the amount of um, asylum seekers and refugees. It doesn't help um, our foreign cause and it doesn't help build us and maintain us as a pretty um, strong force for the world in the long run. And some people may say, you know, you want to end the empire. It's all bad. See, the problem with that is when you have China and Russia and other countries um, continuing to grow in power, um, you know, the need for survival is to actually um, somewhat stay a pretty strong nation that is ready to defend yourself. And what we have found out in the long run is that you cannot do that alone. So you could look at World War One, World War Two. We could go back to the war of the Roman Empire. We could look at wars across nation throughout history. So you better off creating allies. And one of the best ways to do that is a domestic foreign policy that actually buys goodwill in the globe.
So if we look at the case for some of our foreign policies here or domestic foreign policies here, we've got a refugee, we've got asylum seekers, we've got political, you know, people that are running away from their countries for political reasons because they're about to be killed. We've got journalists, we've got people that helped you know, American soldiers in times of war. We've got people that speak out against, you know, Marxism or certain things that, you know, um, communism. And um, getting those people out and into a safer nation like the U.S. buys goodwill because in the future, let's say, a leader does in fact rise and says, my country have suffered, you know, the brunt of communism. And we want to change our policy and we want to thrive. What they do usually say is, oh, America is willing to support us or, you know, the EU are strong. Um, usually it's usually America for a good amount of time now in history um, for the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And now you have a country, a country that goes from oppression and not having goodwill with the U.S. to changing its system. And having goodwill with the U.S. and in the long run, that is also good for American um, economic policies, but that is tied to our domestic policy when they see us acting kindly. Um, look at the problem with the uh, Dreamers, as they're called, um, or people will qualify for DACA or otherwise. When people see that we're taking care of that population, they're they're impressed. They're saying America is taking care of the young youths, taking care of their immigrant population. It's a generous foreign policy, it's a generous domestic policy, and that does buy goodwill with other countries. And that does buy goodwill with those governments. And we could build relationships. So I've seen in the last few years under this particular presidency, it appears that the president is, will is willing to fire people that disagree with him on this. He's willing to fire generals who are like, we want to, you know, rescue as much Iraqis as possible. They have worked for us. We want to help the Kurds because they fought with us and um, the administration is willing to say no. And that's not how you buy goodwill. And in the long run, it does bring an end to great nations. It looks like a good mix of kind domestic, domestic foreign policies. And that's, you know, asylum, that's um, refugee programs, that's even things like, you know, passage room act and good strong military policies and that's you know having those military stations across the globe and you know trying to maintain peace and trying to help the people you know they need when they need it but also doing intelligence to make sure we don't have another 9-11 or we don't have another um crazy um attack on the u.s or these countries don't get so powerful to where we're all on the edge um no one actually really wants that in the long run so, you know, having 10 countries next to China that like us a lot is a good foreign policy. You know, being friends with our um, Korean allies and keeping troops there and working with them in unison, doing the same with Japan, doing the same with the Taiwanese, doing the same with the Hong Kongans, um, or Hong Kong, people of Hong Kong. Um, it's the wise foreign policy. It's good for American safety. It's good for American future. Because again, the better those countries do, the more they could consume our goods. And so it's also like our foreign policy can be connected economically speaking. But also when we have, you know, a nation of over 300 million people in the U.S. And we have Native American population 
we have a Christian population, we have a Muslim population, and other populations that overall do support this kind foreign policies and overall understand the need for the military might. And we have an administration that is willing to dismiss this approach, but we're, and would rather take a more, what I would say, they are listening to a loud minority that doesn't want much foreign movement in the economy. So they, they want to reduce immigration right away. They definitely don't understand the point of the refugees or asylum speakers, or they just a lack of education in that area. Um, in the long run, I believe this doesn't buy us goodwill globally. So when these other countries do grow or when they take an approach against, it's harder for us to put together a policy that helps us and keeps us safe, but also grows our economy. So the foreign policy needs to be a mixture of kindness and a mixture of strength. You don't want to overplay one too much over the other. There's just a price to pay for that, and it's not always a good price. And if we look at the countries coming on stage right now, so we've got China and Russia, we tend to call them adversaries, but more like partners and adversaries somewhat. I think when people think about Russia and China, they don't necessarily think kind, right? And there's a reason for that, but I don't, you know, I don't have a global think tank of where I know everyone thinks about China and Russia. But I do know China does practice um, segregation in nations where they're present, especially African nations. They have their little plots given by the governments. They are very much secured. They have their own schools. I know this to be true because I have been in those environments. Um, so that, that's not necessarily buying goodwill with those people. But if America was to go and you know, train the people of that environment, help increase you know, employment in those areas and take a different strategy and approach, in the long run, we do benefit. And I think that's that's the game we want to play because China is on board, Russia is on board. They're going to be more and they're going to continue to build trust among one another and they're going to continue to build goodwill among one another. And that's that's what we want to watch out for. Because if those, country, those countries continue to grow more and more powerful and they're building relationships with other countries, one of the best American um, foreign policy right now is sanctions. That is where, you know, top government officials or, you know, um, or top people in certain countries would have their wealth restricted globally. So they cannot, their banks will be frozen across the globe. It can somewhat strangle the economy, I don't like it because of what it does to the actual indi indi individual population. But, you know, with some pressure, we can in a way force the hands of this government to an extent. If this, but if we take an unkind foreign policy approach and we dismiss our European allies, we limit immigration to where people consider America as not the land of opportunity, because people have always thought historically, and it's true to that. And the war begins to see us as not that good kind nation to be at or to be in or to walk with. Then those sanctions we use to get our way with the stronger countries may not be as useful because we also need the Europeans to help us cooperate in those sanctions. 
because you could say I sanction you from all U.S. businesses. Well, America is one country. There's over 200 countries in the world. So when we do the sanctions, we do it in cooperation with European allies and sometimes Asian allies. So if a Russian oligarch who is friends with the government have hundreds of billions in assets and can't move it and it's or can only move a percentage of it, they could speak to the government and saying, hey, what do the Americans want? Let's try to find something in agreement here. Same with certain, you know, Chinese government agencies. But if they've built relationship with all these other countries and more goodwill than we have, the sanctions become ineffective. So it is better for American policy, American foreign policy, to be mixed with kindness and strength, also domestically. And that's making sure you are, in fact, helping the refugees and increasing their population. In fact, you are um, you having a somewhat of a kind immigration approach. That is, enforce immigration laws, but if you have the place within your economy to help the dreamers, do it. You want to buy that goodwill because it is good. And yes, there is a right leaning approach of the Make America Great Again type settings, but I think people are not realizing that no one economy can just in the 21st century survive and do everything alone. So you want to take a different approach. And isolation is not the way to go. And treating your allies like crap is not the way to go. And calling people from different parts of the globe, you know, shithole countries is not the way to go. And targeting Muslims is not the way to go. So we do, we may very well need to change our leadership when it comes to foreign policy to stop the bleeding before this itself get out of control to where we're playing just strength, 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 and we're forgetting the kindness part of foreign policy. That is just too dangerous. And that is not going to get us to a better America. Definitely not. Because that's not how we got to where we are today. Anyways, there was a time where American, the American Steel Association would go to countries in West Africa and work with their own steel factories, yes, and train them, yes, and talk to them, yes. You want those type of foreign policy approaches, not just think you're the best and dismiss everyone, because ideas come from everywhere. We're the melting pot, and we want to keep it that way. Having you know our current approach, which we're the strongest, we're the baddest, yeah, that's good for a time, but having the biggest weapon, it's not a sustainable foreign policy. You could ask the Russians. So we don't want to just spend money on building weapons, 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 and forget to build relationships and build goodwill. That is not a sustainable foreign policy. So um, that is what I think uh, I want to cover today. Uh, thank you for listening. And uh, let's do our best to become a better society and uh, love one another. Thank you.